Hello, and welcome to You Should Play, a podcast where we play tabletop roleplay games and tell you what we think you should play. I'm Alicia. I'm one of your co-hosts, and tonight I am joined by John and Caleb. Hi, guys. Hello. Hey, hey Alicia. So if you have listened to the pregame episode and any of our actual play, you will notice that we are missing Jared. We started out with him, and then he dropped off partway through As far as I remember, his character got lost at some city building trying to get some paperwork or do some research and we never found him again. Mm -hmm. But, um, all right, so we have been playing Worlds Without Number and we've done a couple of sessions. I think we've done three gameplay sessions. Does that sound about right? I think it was, I think it might've been four. Or including our world building and character building or character creation. That could be. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's been a while. We've been having fun. So um, first question is first thoughts about the game. I'm going to start with Caleb. Since you have been our game master, what have you thought about running this iteration of Worlds Without Number? Um, so my first impression of the game was um, that it's pretty thorough, um, especially with its world building tools. Um, there's a system for just about everything. There's a skill for just about everything. Uh, we didn't get into um, every subsystem use, uh, during our actual play, but uh, this is a this is a very thorough game in terms of. Um, whatever you need for your setting there's probably a a chart or a table or a guide on how to how to make it i do concur with that i I, we've found a lot of charts as we were going through there was a chart for just about everything john what do you think what were your first thoughts about this game it was very well put together um like i felt like where whatever side thing or uh, path we took. Um, Kay- Caleb was ready and well prepared by the game itself, where it was just like, oh, yeah, we're going to go do that. And he's just like, but, but, but what? Okay. <laughs> and then it was able to just go off in that direction, which, you know, a lot of games, you know, there's always the struggle by the game master where it's just like, why won't you do the things I tell you to? Because Obviously, that's the direction I want to go. And he didn't have that problem. So Yes, I agree with that. It is always a nice thing when your game master is flexible and willing to go along with what the players are wanting to do. And I know that I was probably the first guilty party for taking us in a direction that obviously was not intended. So... Well, I think during the world building, we we did that to him because we were just like, oh, this no-name character that's just going to give you your quest is a major part of you building the entire world around. And it just got, everything was connected. And like, we, we went full on conspiracy theory on him. And that was so amusing to me. Like, It was. I appreciated that about this game, that it, it gave us the flexibility and ability to do that and to build into a lot of that detail. My thoughts initially, I think that this is a really good game for a full-on campaign. 
This is probably not something that you would want to set up for a short-term thing. It does take a little bit of investment, um, but it's well-developed for exploring entire worlds. Again, it is worlds, plural, worlds without number. Uh, but there's, there's a lot of ability to explore just the place that you're in as well. And so I think it needs time to develop that and get into it. But I do think that it is pretty cool that we were able to get into those details and, and build things that were fun and that we wanted to do while also taking advantage of the many, many charts for which we didn't have to do all of the decision-making ourselves. So knowing what we've known now, or knowing what we know now, having played the game, any thoughts on choices that you might have made differently going this far, or getting this far in? And um, I'm gonna start out answering this question by saying, I would probably not have invested quite as much thought and preparation into my character's backstory uh, as we were doing character creation because, well, we had a total party kill our first time playing. And there were some really cool things I was excited about with my character that just never had a chance to come up. So might've started out with something a little bit more surface level. I, we, Caleb gave us a tip a couple weeks in that you don't start don't start getting into the detail of your character until you've played a few rounds. And I think I wish I'd have known that. Anybody else? Any I, choices you'd have made differently? I totally agree with you. Uh, the characters are, I don't want to say disposable, um, but it's more of uh, like you are definitely not playing uh, Frodo. You know, you're not like, you're not the main character of the story, um, which is even more interesting to me because I'm always about like the other, like when we were playing Star Wars a couple of months ago, I was like, I want to know what everybody else's story is and stuff like that. And to have somebody like, yeah, oh, that's the guy that gets killed by that guy in that scene. What is his whole backstory? And that's what we got to play, sort of. You know, we were just other people that were involved in the conspiracy. And we went off on our own. And then, you know, not mistakes were made. We were just in the wrong place at the wrong time. <laughs> the dice were not always in our favor. Oh, exactly. Yeah. Caleb, yeah. What, are, what are your thoughts on that? Are there, having played this, with us now and this round anything that you might have done differently had you had you been able to see into the future a little bit uh yeah so i think i would have prepared you guys a little bit better um going in that uh, the fun of this game is building the world um and exploring the world and learning uh learning it and also the story is not necessarily character centric um as evidenced by the fact that you know your characters are, are somewhat expendable but say we dove further into the plot line of the outsiders uh beneath the city there's a there's an entire story to be told there that doesn't necessarily 
you know, us as the players or, you know, think of us as the audience, we can still watch that story unfold, even if the, the characters are, are changing slightly. Um, so I think I, I could have prepared you all a little bit better for that, but I didn't realize, um, you know, the, the, the writer of this game warns that the combat is lethal and players are, our characters are expendable, but, uh, I've, I've noticed that um, it's really unpredictable whether you're going to get a total party kill or a, um, a situation where uh, the characters all make it out without losing any hit points. So um, it's just, it's a uh, very um, swingy, I think is, is a term I hear uh, a lot. Um, so that, and also um, in sandbox games like this one, I think it's really important to have a clear focus going in. Um, in this case, our focus was kind of to showcase the game, but if we were, if we were wanting to play an extended campaign, it would be important for us to nail down at the beginning, what are your characters trying to do? Are they criminals? Are they... Uh, you know, legendary heroes, are they trying to stop crime? Like, what are they, what are they trying to do? Um, because otherwise, there's just so many different directions you can go in that it can be kind of overwhelming for the players. And honestly, for the GM, it can be extremely overwhelming not knowing what your players are going to do next, knowing that literally anything can happen. So that takes me into... My next question, which I think I we may have addressed slightly already, but would you play a campaign with this game or a game like it? I know that Worlds Without Number has, what would we call it, a sister game that is uh, Stars Without Number. So is this something that you would play as a campaign? John? Um, yeah, it's something I, I would totally... Uh enjoy playing as a, a weekly campaign or monthly campaign if, if it uh, got too busy. But yeah, it, it, it feels like, an, uh, how, how can I say it? An arcadey tabletop RPG where you could bounce in and out. You know, we were able to, oh, Jared's not able to make it this week, okay. So he's off doing whatever, and he's not integral. Like no one is integral to the pot to the point where it stops the game. And a lot of other games where it's just like, well, that guy's holding that sword, so we need that sword. Otherwise, we can't kill the big bad guy. So like, you know, with no one being the main cog, um, it's. It, it brings a better rotation to it, you know? I agree. And like I said earlier, I think that this game is better suited for a long campaign. If you're oh, looking absolutely. for a one-time or one or two game, or even just a, you know, four, four weeks, once a week game, this is probably not what you want to go for. I think that this is best suited for something that you can build and develop over a longer period of time. Um, 
Caleb, if I recall correctly, you have played a campaign either with or more than one campaign with this game setup, either Stars Without Number or Worlds Without Number. Would you do so again? Uh, yeah, I run a ran a campaign with Stars Without Number for a while, and it ran pretty well. And we kind of had a campaign building of Worlds Without Number before we went back online. I would definitely run a campaign. I think it plays better as a campaign, like you said. Um, I do think it does work for short-term games, but only if you're already familiar with the system. That's probably a good note. Um, so it, it could be an easier thing to do in a shorter term if everyone is familiar and able to adapt quickly to the way things work. Because there were a couple of our, our actual play sessions that could have succeeded as a one-time. Yeah, for example, the night that we had the total party kill, that could have been an easy in and out. Here we are, we're done. But now that we've played this one, our John, you actually started to get into my next question here, which is, are there other games that this one is like? So if we are trying to open this game up to someone who hasn't played it before, how, what can we compare it to? Um, I'm going to say, like, it, you know, it does play a lot like a, a regular old D&D uh, game. Um, but, like, you know, the, the system's totally different. I feel like... It's a little bit different because of the fact that, you know, the the DM does have a lot of instant world building behind it. So it's kind of hard to connect it to any other games because I've also not ever DM'd a game. So, like, I don't know what in the background they do <laughs> that much. So, like, uh, yeah, it, it's kind of like a... Um, yeah, it's kind of different than other games I've played in in that uh, description, where where it's like they they it doesn't matter what the uh, party does because there will be uh, a system in the background to handle the problems for the DM. And Caleb, before we started. I believe that you related the world to that of some video games. Are there any other, is there anything else that this game is like that you can compare it to that someone who is thinking about playing might be able to relate it to and, and say, oh yes, I liked that thing, so I'm gonna try this. Or no, I didn't like that, so I'm going to avoid this one. This game is very similar to a lot of uh, old school games based off of classic D&D. Um, I've played Old School Essentials. I've played D&D uh, uh, VX. Um, and this game is very similar to those games, but it does have a few modifications that make it a little bit more approachable to somebody who's played uh, more modern editions of Dungeons & Dragons. Um, so as far as tabletop goes, it's similar in that regard. Um, but when you get into the, the world and the kind of adventures you can set up, 
really the sky is the limit. You can set up, uh, you know, dark fantasy. You can set up uh, more whimsical high fantasy. Um, there's different rules for different kinds of magic. You can even include psionics from the Stars Without Number without really breaking the game. Um, so if you wanted to lean into, uh, you know, more psychic abilities. And uh, with the expanded tool set, you could use this game and its sister game to make a science fantasy game. So, uh, you know, whatever setting, you know, say you like The Witcher or the Elder Scrolls series or something like that, and you wanted to try to modify the game to be more like those, you absolutely could modify the setting to be like those. But as far as tabletop games, it, it, it does play very much like older editions of D&D, &D, but with, with some improvements over those, I, I, I think. And now some, some people might really not like that I just said that, but that's my I, personal take. I, for one, will not call you a heretic. Uh, I, I do agree it, with both of you that I would say this is probably closest to a, a classic D&D &D setting. Um, but it's pretty fun and I like the options that you have for creating what you want with it. So getting into the best part of our discussion, I'd like to talk about our campaign itself and our favorite and most memorable moments, how the game mechanics worked to set those up. Uh, and I've got to say my favorite thing was when none of us could remember our non-player character or NPC's name and just started making fun of it. I think his name was actually Gold Finger? Gold Finch? Well, I can't, I still can't remember his real name. I, I think it was Goldfellow. Gold yeah, yeah. <laughs> and none of us, none of us could remember that. And yet, it opened up the perfect fun. It, it was one of those things that doesn't have any anything to do with the game itself, but was just fun. And we ended up with gold member, gold mm. finger, Goldilocks. He he ended up with every nickname you can think of with the word gold in it, and that was just delightful to me. I, I think it's because we, we became to a point where we, as a group, we synchronized to the point where we're like, his name doesn't matter. Like, but we're saving him. And, and that's one of the benefits of the way this game is, where everybody is disposable. Even the NBCs, who are, are the sub-sub-sub characters. Yes. Who are being made fun of the, and 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 are disposable at that point? You know, it's it's a little bit easier on on the meta to do for that for that to be part of it. So, yeah, that was that was my favorite of the moments. I've got a couple of other memorable memorable moments, but uh, let me turn it over to you, Caleb. Memorable moments from or just one from um, this campaign. So the the total party kill was pretty memorable, but that's not the thing I necessarily want to talk about. Um, we can talk about it later. We'll, we'll, I, get, we'll get to the total party kill. I think one of the things that was memorable to me was uh, 
when the party was in the cavern and came across the guards who had just wandered down there and the guards rolled a positive reaction roll, meaning they would not have initiated combat. They would have been helpful as possible. They would have talked to you, but um, at least one player was so sure that they were up to no good that your party uh, killed two of them immediately and scared the other one so bad that he agreed to never speak of this day again. Um, we murdered all of his friends and he was just like, I know nothing. <laughs> well, it, it, I have an appreciation for the morale system and the reaction role because it sets up a situation mm -hmm. where like, I mean, by, uh, by some definitions, that was not the most ethical thing that the party could have done but it might've been the most tactically appropriate. Um, but in this case, it wasn't even necessarily the most tactically appropriate because they were no threat to you. Um, <laughs> I know that wasn't the only time that we uh, defied expectations, but that's a pretty, that, that was a pretty memorable moment. I agree. John, what about you? What stands out if you had to pick one? I mean, if I if I had to pick one, of course, total party party kill. Um, I did love the fact that Ray's character was just flirting with me the whole time uh, on my second character. To be clear, uh, uh, the way he was just like, "Okay, let's go do this. Let's go do this," and that support was very interesting to me because it's just like my guy was like a you know a former male prostitute trying to make it in the world and all of a sudden like has this you know large powerful person going like oh i support you oh anything you want to do and that kind of stuff was totally hysterical to me so but yeah i enjoyed the whole whole the game as a whole so like there there was a few times where there there were very memorable moments, but like that goes back to the way everything is very disposable. Like there, as a longer campaign, you'll have a lot more of those memorable moments, and they'll be a bit more solid. Um, the way relationships develop, if your character lives that long, <laughs> so. All right, so if you have been listening for a while, you're familiar with the fact that I am relatively new to RPGs. I've only been playing for about a year. And so, Caleb, you have the distinct honor of running my first Total Party Kill. We've all mentioned it now, so let's let's talk about this. We, uh, that's never happened to me, where we all just, we all died, and that was it. We all died. Yeah, it's... Uh... It's something that um, a lot of games aren't set up for in uh, the world's most popular role-playing game. Um, you have a thing called death saves. So basically when you drop the zero hit points, you still have a chance of survival, a pretty good chance of survival. Um, but this game doesn't, uh, doesn't afford players that characters that luxury. And I didn't know how to feel about it. I kind of felt, I was like, I don't know if I'm a bad, D, uh, bad DM for setting up this situation or I'm a good DM for giving you guys a solid challenge. 
Um, you know, and that I feel like kind of depends on your group. There are some groups out there I know because I've run games for them that would not appreciate that. Um, but there's there's some that appreciate the fact that there was actual stakes and you know your characters aren't immortal heroes they're they're real people fighting a very unreal threat i will say that definitely affected how i played the game with the new character uh, the choices that i made would have been very different if i was not aware of how vulnerable and expendable each of those characters were and so the choice to immediately go into combat or to avoid anything that seemed threatening was definitely impacted by knowing how easily we could be killed um, john you mentioned the total party kill is the first standout moment what what were your thoughts on that event i kind of feel like it wasn't so much the wrong place at the wrong time it was more of just like you know matter of circumstance where it's just like we didn't need to have that fight realistically it was more of like well we should have just been scouting that night <laughs> and maybe gotten a, a few more members before we went in there because it was kind of like us going too far kind of like when we were playing Star Wars, where it was just like on the fly, we just turned it into a heist. And then the next thing, you know, you're pushing me through a door. So that sort of stuff where, where it was just like, if we had more planning, it, it would have been better or okay. been more experienced. For what it's worth, that was a wandering encounter mm -hmm. that, that killed your party. Mm -hmm. So that kind of is one of those situations where your luck did run out. Yeah, uh, had you had several encounter checks without anything. Um, you had one encounter check where you came across something that was relatively benign, and then you had an encounter check where you came across the most powerful monster in the dungeon. <laughs> I I kind of appreciate the fact that you are that you're not immortal in this game that there are stakes and that you you do have to make your choices wisely because of that that there isn't the ability to just come back from anything for any reason that that does change how how a player makes decisions and i kind of enjoyed that once i knew it it was possible it i definitely would have spent less time on my character had I known how quickly we could all reach our demise, but that was, that was a thing. That was something that we went through. And I feel like we, we had a better time, or at least I did. I had a better time knowing that we had all already died together. <laughs> oh, and I also think to your earlier point about longer campaigns, if your character, your characters survived a second level, uh, your second characters survived a second level and that that's better and, and if we if we continue this campaign i feel like when you get a character that's third fourth fifth level you start to you start to build out story about them and also it it does feel a little bit earned and you, you become more invested and your your treasure feels like treasure i i feel like it does uh add a little bit of a layer of accomplishment when you realize your character 
isn't guaranteed to make it this far. Yeah, it's a little bit like life <laughs> in that way. <laughs> it, you, you know, you, you don't act like you have a bulletproof vest all the time if there's a chance that you could get hurt. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> all right, guys. Um, any final thoughts on this game? Other than I would love to play this again. Um, uh, it, it's fun. It's uh, it's well laid out. You know, it's all about the group for me. Yeah, I think um, you're right on the money, John, with saying it's all about the group. Um, I think, you know, that's the, the beauty of tabletop RPGs is you kind of get out what your group puts in. Um, but I'm a huge fan of this game. Uh, that's that's why I propose we run we, we play it. Um, and I'm after running it, I'm still a huge fan of the game. Um, I recommend it to anybody who enjoys world building and enjoys dungeon making and kind of enjoys the prep work of, of DMing. Um, if you're more of an improvisational, uh, more narrative game DM or GM, you'd probably enjoy this game. But if you're a, a world builder, someone who really likes to put hours into their, their settings and stuff, this is the game for you. I definitely appreciate you adding in that little bit of, or that tidbit for anyone who's interested in running the game. I think that that is valuable to know. So listeners, we have decided you should play Worlds Without Number. I am Alicia, and I hope you've enjoyed this episode of You Should Play. And saying goodbye from John. Bye. And goodbye from Caleb. Bye. We will catch you next time. Thank you for listening to You Should Play, a Ray Nagel podcast. Produced by Six Pack Nerd Network.